Welcome to Nobody Told Me That, your source for candid business talk and stories. Your host is speaker and author Teresa Duncan. Sit back, buckle up, and hang on. We are back with another episode of Nobody Told Me That. And I have, of course, my frequent guest and co-host partner in crime, Kevin Henry. What's up, Kevin? Good morning, my friend. How are you? I am good. It is a very chilly morning, actually. And it's May for crying out loud. Oh, I saw Massachusetts has snow. Can you believe that? I saw that, too. And I'm really thankful that it's them. Uh, you know, we we had some uh, Thursday last week here in Colorado, and that was that was enough for me. I'm good. So, uh, you know, it's it. This is just too. By April, we should be transitioning. Like, I should not still have my sweaters out. I, you know, just in case I need to go somewhere. That that all needs to go away. So I'm. I don't know what's going on. I I agree completely. Uh, we, you know, we went from like snow on Thursday to 75 yesterday. So we're riding that. What's going to happen next type of season? So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So listen to that. We just we are so old. Do you know how old we are? We get on, and the first thing we do is we start bitching about the weather. Look at that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's these kids on my lawn. <laughs> oh Lord. So all right. So we have um we have not actually caught up on some dental stuff in a while. And so do you wanna just jump right into it? Absolutely, because you were telling me some things before we started. I'm anxious to hear what, you, what your take is on this. All right. So, you know, one of my favorite podcasts is The Dental Hacks. I think I've told you this before. Yeah. So I just like those guys are are pretty awesome. Jason yeah. is down in Richmond, which is near to us. So I kind of understand a little bit of that, like crazy dry wit, because honestly, to live in Richmond, I think you have to have like a good sense of humor because because Richmond's, Richmond's an interesting city. Like it is very cheap and affordable to live there but there are pockets where you're like what where what world am i in you know so, <laughs> like, like you take a wrong turn and you're like wait this is did i go somewhere totally different but honestly it's it's really a very cool city so i totally digress but they they're podcast is just a lot of fun. And so I was listening to them with, and they had uh, Frank Spear on who of course has the Spear Academy, very well respected uh, clinician. Are you, have you ever met Frank Spear? You know, uh, one of those very brief in passing, uh, but I have, how about you? Yeah, I'm trying, I was trying to rack my brain and I think I just assume I've met him somewhere along the way, but Um, you know, as, as it is with people who, who are old in this industry, we have some, we have somehow met each other somewhere, but what he was saying was very interesting. He was talking about implants and the studies around implants. And so this is, this is pretty wild to me and it makes total sense. But again, you don't think about it until someone smarter than you brings it up and is like, Hey, you guys need to pay attention to this. So, you know, I used to lecture for the implant society like a gazillion years ago for the ICOI. So when I started out lecturing, actually, you know, shout out to Lynn Mortilla, who I I'm sure is not listening because she's left dental completely, but she's the one who kind of gave me my start. She, she put me on stage and I got to meet amazing clinicians who have been placing implants at that point 
for probably 10, 15 years. And that was a long time ago. And, you know, now most dentists are, if they're not placing implants, it's probably because their uh, specialty doesn't call for it. So most dentists are considering it, or at least they have to have someone they refer to because it's standard of care. So the implants from 20 years ago are now coming up I mean, it's been 20 years. So a lot of the studies are starting to graduate, I guess you could say, where we've studied the longevity for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. And what he's saying that they're finding is there's a lot of issues, not, well, I shouldn't say a lot. There are issues with some of these implants that have lasted the full 20 years. And, Mm. you know, you're getting a lot of peri-implantitis, which is like gum disease around the implant for for those of us who are not necessarily clinical the 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 actual threads it's not integrating you have the the tissue pulling away from it maybe it's loose in the bone whatever but also there could just be functional issues and so i'm i'm fascinated by this because when i started speaking we were told and you know by i mean carl mish is somebody that i spoke to often about implants and he was always like oh no implants are the best method of replacing teeth and those once those puppies are in there they're in there for good i mean he would say things like that and for those of you who don't know uh carl mish rest in peace has passed away but he really is i mean probably the best known person in implant dentistry. Like he's pretty much the guru or was the guru. So when Carl Misch tells you implants are going to be in there forever, the life of the dentition, you kind of believe it, right? So now we have studies coming out that maybe they don't last forever. Maybe around the 20 year mark, there are issues with these implants. And so a lot of dentists now are starting to see implants coming in. And so we're seeing a lot of repair of implants, repair or, or, you know, treatment for the peri-implantitis. And a lot of dentists are just kind of like, wait, we, we didn't study about this really. It was just kind of a blip on the radar that, you know, if peri-implantitis happens, this is what you do. And now they're starting to look at, at, you know, having to address that more clinically. And I'm just fascinated because we thought, they were in there for good. It was a slam dunk. And now it looks like we're going to have a recurring treatment for these people, possibly, I guess, a recurring treatment for these people. Now, for those of you who are just listening to me do a quick, too long, didn't listen type synopsis, I'll link the episode so you can listen to it for yourself. And again, that's my non-clinical wrap up of what I heard, I would, I would really urge you to listen to the episode and talk to your doctor about it. Make sure your doctor listens to it if you're placing implants. So you probably run into a lot of assistants who are actually having to place with implants, right? Like that's a huge thing. And they love doing that. They do. So I, I think that what you just said a moment ago is, you know, if you're an assistant out there listening, this is something you should be listening to as well. Because, you know, we always talk at IDA about the assistants bringing things to the dentist's attention and doing that outside learning to elevate your career. And I think this is an excellent example of that. So many of you tell me, you love oral surgery. You love placing implants. You love being a part of that process. And there's another, you know, as Teresa just said, there's another side to that as well. Another step is what happens after the implant is placed. So I think what you're talking about here is fascinating. So when we when we were, so I, I pretty much took the implant coordinator program and and 
turn it upside down and, and created a new program for the ICOI ADIA. And in that program, I remember being told to edit it to make sure that we address that, you know, it's really people that are aging that are getting the implants. And there was just a small bit of emphasis on younger people getting implants, but that was really more in cases of accident and trauma and all that. So what is, what is interesting in our industry that has changed is that implants are no longer seen as perfect for just older people. We have a lot of people who you know, they have the root canal fractures and all that. People that are in their 20s and 30s getting these implants, and, and that's been going on yeah. for a while. But what ends up happening now is is the 20-year mark. So a 20-year mark for a 50 or 60 or 70-year-old person, I mean, come on. I mean, I'm close to 50, you know, a couple of years. And, and so, oh, and you are 50. Uh, yeah. You just turned <laughs> you know, Sorry. Yes, right. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, no, no. It, apparently, no, it's, it's, we're ancient, Kevin. Like, we are one foot in the grave, well, apparently, once you hit that mark, right? Well, we're, we're dust. There's no question about it. <laughs> if Thanos <laughs> comes around, we're just screwed, right? Like, <laughs> I just don't want anybody to blow too hard in my direction or else there I go. So, you know, hey. <laughs> so, so, here's the thing is that when you're when you have an older patient, you know, there's so many other issues, you know, factors, their age, their dry mouth, their medications, all that kind of stuff. And so you watch it really carefully. And older people are usually a lot better at coming in for their appointments. You know, they they know that stuff needs to be watched. They probably had a lot of dental work done. They got huge restorations in there and they know if you don't watch it, then it all goes to hell. And so they probably are really good with keeping their appointments. So the, if you have uh, somebody in their early 20s who got their tooth knocked out in a bar fight and they weren't going regularly anyways, you replace that with an implant and, you know, you may not see that dude for another 10 years or whatever. 20 years lifetime for somebody in their 20s or 30s means here comes somebody who is like, wait a second, I was told this was going to last forever. This is like, you know, hips last forever, knees last forever, replacement knees. So why is my implant not working? And I say that because assistants, managers too, you know, for my managers that are listening and and case presenters, we have to make sure that we are not only promising the moon to these people, but when they do come in, we're very upfront about the fact that, look, we know right now, according to research, this is the best method of replacing a tooth. This is, you know, hands down what the industry recommends, what the, what the research recommends. However, you know, you there is a chance that in 20 to 30 years, you're going to need to have another one placed. And as long as you keep coming here, we will make sure that we can delay that as long as possible. So, I mean, I just threw that out there, but you all are going to have to come up with your own verbiage on that to answer the inevitable, what the heck, I thought this was going to be here forever. Yeah. And, and that's a really good point because I think that we've got to know what we're, you know, and we sometimes we don't like to say selling in dentistry, but in this case, what we're really trying to sell to them, and that has always been one of those, oh, it's a lifetime replacement. Like you said, it's really not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are, there are TV commercials here in Denver uh, the Denver area about getting implants and how that's a smart choice. Uh, if you want your teeth to really look good, you know, and you're having problems, hey, get this implant. And the people they're showing on there are younger than me, uh, you know. So I think that what you're saying here really resonates because, yeah, if, if I am a 35 year old professional 
and I want to upgrade my appearance and I need to do that. And implants are what I think is best and what my dentist and dental team tells me is best. Then I need to know that at age 55, right, what's next? Mm -hmm. Uh, Is there going to be a next? Because the way that we're all living longer, supposedly, and the way that we're all, uh, you know, wanting to keep our appearance as we age, that's a really important factor. And implants being so easy to treatment plan and get going, you know, a lot of dentists are are definitely, and I think rightfully so, I think it's a great method for replacing the teeth, obviously. They're really gravitating to that. And I think the ease, and this is coming from a clinical side, when I used to be an assistant, although we all know I was a very bad assistant. When I used to be an assistant, the implant placement was so easy peasy. I mean, there's like, barely any pain. The patient's like, wait, that's all, that's all it was. I mean, it's so easy. So when you end up having, uh, implantitis down the road, it's, it's not easy peasy. You have a lot of, you know, you got to take out the implant. You got to try to put some bone stuff in there to make it grow back. You got to kind of, you know, graft it. There's possibly membranes, possibly all sorts of, I don't know, human bone and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot that goes into it when you have to retreat it or when you have to replace it. And so I think that's uh, that's a consideration. And I, I think it's fair to the patient that we warn the patient all this stuff can happen. And then, of course, finish it up with the verbiage of, but you're in the right hands and we're going to be with you every step of the way to make sure that that doesn't happen in the future. So we're going to we're going to keep an eye on that. Yeah, I'm. You know, me as a consumer, and I think about any purchase, you know, I want to know longevity. And I also want to know if something goes wrong or I need something in regards to that purchase that you're right. Somebody's going to be there to say, we got your back. And I think that's really important for dental teams to emphasize to patients. You're right. Well, and that I know you just had a noise in there. And I just want to tell you that Griffin was uh, Griffin's head popped up. And, and looked actually like he was on alert. Um, but the moment has passed. <laughs> well, you know, as long as see Griffin has our back, he's, he's illustrating what we're talking about, which I, I find that admirable. You know, I did. <laughs> he's giving us a heads up that I will raise my head and assess the situation. And then, you know, probably not going to do anything. That's, that's where he is. <laughs> so I actually had someone, uh, my friend Malika started listening to the podcast and she, she could not stop laughing. Like she was laughing talking about the episode of Griffin falling off the couch again. So that was <laughs> I tell you, we we will do a thousand podcasts and there will never be one of the top set at that moment. Everybody <laughs> wants to talk about Griffin when they, you know, they're like, Oh, I listen to your podcast. Oh, Griffin. <laughs> so, you know, no matter what, Kevin, we can provide quality education. We can provide a quality listening experience, but because we are not furry, absolutely you know the the furry stars of the show are what give us the five stars every day of the week so speaking of furries and i have something else Uh, clinical to deal with i'm a little nervous right now yeah Yeah. so i i have a friend who's in oregon and 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 we were in a group conversation and, and he was like you know they have this stuff in oregon like people wear tails and i was like what can you explain oh, yeah. that? Have you seen this where people actually walk around, do their business, go to Starbucks, whatever, and they have a tail hanging out of their pants? So I will tell you that there was one year at the Hinman meeting that the furry convention and the Hinman meeting happened at the same time. 
And, and I will tell you, I have never been more awkward in an elevator than I was in downtown Atlanta that night because there were three folks dressed in, in their furry outfits and then two of us in suit and ties going out to dinner. And it was just like one of those, dear God, how long does it take to go down 20 floors uh, things? Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting uh, world out there. For sure. All right. So listen, they should walk around with a lint roller. I think that's only fair <laughs> because, you know, if you're they're brushing up against you or coming near you in an elevator, there's a close quarters. What happens? Do you get fur on your jacket like from the out? You know that. that You've just raised a whole new uh, decor. I just uh, think I, mean, I just think it's rude to leave fur around. So, <laughs> and, then, and there's your point of the podcast of the day, you know, folks. Yes, right? if you get into an elevator with fur, then you must provide a lint roller. That's only fair to everybody around you. So, I mean, I'm definitely I, I don't I don't want to kink shame anyone because you know who knows there's probably somebody listening to the podcast that's like, oh, dude, I have a tail, you know. You do, you. Yeah, you do, you yeah. do. But, but if I were into something like that, I don't think that I would wear it to Starbucks. You know? No, but you know, I mean, so, so, the, I mean, like I said, it was actually a convention that was there and, and they were very proud. I mean, you know, you're sitting there talking to a squirrel, you know, and, and I'm going, Stop. what world am I living? Right now, no, you know, and this was before way before Denver passed the hallucinogenic mushrooms a few weeks ago. So, uh, you know, they're sitting there talking to this large squirrel, and he's just like, "Well, you know, this is what we do, and you know, this is how we express ourselves." So, kind of like going, "All right, I'm going to go learn about root canals." Yeah. Hey, it's good talk. You know what? I so, I need to isolate that somehow. You're just sitting there talking to a large squirrel. I need to isolate that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when it's going to come in handy, but it's got to come in handy. <laughs> absolutely I'm just telling you, oh. we could bring down the house today, Dom. I'm just telling you, if we, get, if we walk in as far as it's going to bring you know, it down. If we hand out so. tails, I bet you, you know what will happen? If we make it mainstream, it will be like, oh. it'll be like, oh, wow, cool. We got tails. And they won't have any idea like that. That's like a signal. <laughs> exactly. So if you listen to the podcast, you'll have a heads That's up. Right. So therefore, you'll be like, no, but thank you. <laughs> I'm good. I mean, unless that's your thing, and you know, no judgment. You do you. No, yeah. I mean, because you spent a lot of time in Washington State and specifically Seattle, because Spokane is is really. I don't consider Spokane and Seattle to even be in the same state. To be honest, they're not. Honest to God, you're right. So, that's all. You know, Seattle and Portland are its own. They're just its yes. own thing. And so, you know, the conversation was how weird Oregon can be. And, and you know, Bend, Oregon is very similar to Spokane. It's not that weird. But when you go to Portland, it's like, what the heck have I walked into? So a beautiful city, but my goodness. So uh, when you we were talking about that and there were, you know, there's this whole thing about how weird Portland is. And, the, you know, my friend was like, yeah, well, you know, you can see tails anytime, you know, you, people walk around with tails, people walk around with all sorts of, you know, facial tattoos and, and it's just, everybody's so just out there and weird out there. And that's, it's so weird. It's normal. Like almost people like us who, you know, are not covered in tattoos, we're the, we're the oddballs out. So yeah, no, I, you know, when, uh, when Dana and I first met and I started going up to Seattle quite a bit, and again, I want to make clear, I love the Pacific Northwest. Mm -hmm. I absolutely do, but it's a whole other place, you know, and, and, 
And Portland takes great pride in being weird, just like Austin, Texas does. You know, the whole keep Austin weird shirts or weird shirts. Hey, good for you. Uh, You know, but uh, some of those places are kind of like Vegas that I go, okay, it's been five days. I'm ready to go home now. Uh, You know, so. Hey, I'm in Vegas two times this year and they're both within three to four days. And I think that's just fine. You know, longer than that, I agree. Longer than that, you're kind of like, okay, all right. So, I mean, and our friend Julie Mitchell lives out there, but she lives outside of the city. She's smart. So um, she and she grew up there. So she knows, you know, the strip is like, I guess for me, Washington, D.C., I never go into our nation's capital just why would I? Uh, And even when people come to town, uh, you know, Norman's the one who takes them around because he loves to do the touristy stuff. And I'm like, dear God, people actually want to come to the city. Like why? Like, can't you look at the cherry blossoms on TV? Like, why do you need to see them? You know, (laughs) we totally went off on a tangent. All right. Can I go back to some clinical stuff here? Um, well, I'm, I'm going to be thinking about furries, but go ahead. Yes, please. <laughs> well, let me give you something that you'll really think about because I think I can distract you from furries. So the topic is breast implants. Did it work? Oh, wait, what were we talking about? I forgot. <laughs> well, it's all good. <laughs> so I love my male friends because it's very easy to distract you all. So <laughs> there has been some talk. So for those of you that are like, oh, Kevin, keep it, you know, keep it down. Um, there has been some talk that uh, people with breast implants have been told by their medical doctors that they need to pre-medicate. And, and so for, for those of you who are maybe new to the industry, premedication is when you take some medication before your procedure to get a good dose of antibiotics into your system before the procedure so that it's a better chance um, of fighting any infection that may come about. Actually, just pretty much it's a, it's a preventive uh, blast of antibiotics so that there is no infection. And you see pre-medication very often with artificial joints. And, you know, I don't even know, I should look into this. I don't know where we stand now because with knees and, and joint replacements, artificial knees, for example, was the big thing because we ended up needing to premedicate. Then a couple of years later, no, you don't need to premedicate. Then a couple of years later, yeah, you do need to premedicate. And, you know, the ADA is good at, at putting that out, but it really is frustrating because even veterans like myself, like right now, I'm not sure where we stand on that. Do we or do we not? Because it has changed so much. So maybe that's something you go back and talk to your team about. Does everybody know where you stand on premedication? So the thing is with breast implants, I guess some of the, the cosmetic surgeons are telling their patients that they should premedicate. And it's a really low rate of infection. So I, I will say that, and I don't have the numbers. And again, this is something I, I urge you. We as admin people, I know your assistants um, are, are not actually licensed dentists and, and staff, but they need to bring this to their attention so that they can investigate it. You all as a team need to know who actually needs to premedicate. So I would look into it. You know, do people need to premedicate with breast implants? And now, Kevin, here's here's where, from a consumer point of view, this becomes funny. So as okay. as a, a woman, I would have no issue. I, I really wouldn't. I mean, I, I maybe some women would, but I really would have no issue saying there's been some studies recently about breast implants. And I don't want to get too personal, but is this something we need to discuss with you? You know, it, and women who have had it usually are not between women are not worried about saying yes. I mean, if they've had it, I mean, I had friends who had one done and she was just like, do you want to feel them? And I'm like, no, that's OK, but thank you. 
thank you very much, you know, so, <laughs> but, but women to women are typically not going to care about it, especially if it's reconstructive, you know, if there's been breast cancer and there's been reconstructive surgery, a lot of times women are very open about telling you, yes, they've, they've been reconstructed. Now, for the men who have to now say, do you have any issues with this? I just recommend that you get better at it. Or maybe if you are completely uncomfortable, have your assistant do it. But I want to challenge you a little bit because you're all professionals and you really should, male, female, furry, um, (laughs) you should be able to ask any patient about anything that could affect their health. And this, honestly, this is one of them. And so I think we do need to get better with our our verbiage if they do need to pre-medicate, if your malpractice carrier, and actually that's who I really would check check in with, if your malpractice carrier thinks that it's an issue that you need to be worried about. The easy part is to fix your intake form, your medical history form for all the new patients coming in to put on something like breast implants. Um, you know, do you have a history of breast implants or whatever? So I, um, I'm, I'm curious with this. I got to do a little bit more research into it. And if I find any links, I'll throw them up in the show notes. But I, I think I need to really count on our listeners to kick it to their, uh, their doctors because this actually impacts their ability, you know, to do good work and their malpractice and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, so breasts are a thing, Kevin. Oh, sure. Tee me up like that. Perfect. They sure are, Teresa. No, I mean, I think, I think you hit it on the head a minute ago is that if you're really going to be seen as a healthcare professional, that this is something that you've got to work through any kind of uneasiness or whatever there might be about the subject. Uh, so I, I, I love that you're bringing this up because honestly, that's not something I had heard about. Now I'm very curious about it. Uh, and I think it's something that, that I think my assistants need to know about as well. Captured one of my questions before I could even ask it about the health history form, because I thought that might be a real easy way to uh, get past any uneasiness or whatever it might well, be. And this is something you may want to talk about with your assistants. I'm actually in my classes, I'm, I'm saying we need to pull out these health history forms that we've been using for a gazillion years And look at them again, because we have a whole bunch of stuff in our industry that is really problematic. So so when you pull out your health history, let's just talk about this for a second. When you pull out your health history form, you know, yes, we need to ask what the medication is. But what I would really like is if the medication part actually had like name and dosage um, and how long you've been taking it, because a lot of the drugs, if you've been on them for an awful long time, Your dentist needs to know that not just, you know, are you taking it now? Is it a short term thing? But how long have you been taking it? Because there are, of course, cumulative effects of of medications. And so make sure. So it's not just a listing of what drugs you take, but but pretty much everything about them. So and then the next thing is we need to address this whole and you're in the heartland of it. We need to address the fact that patients are taking not only CBD, but. Um, you know, weed with THC. So, you know, uh, they're actually getting high, high, not just, you know, pain going away type of thing. CBD is its own issue. We need to really know who's taking it. Um, and, and having it on the health history form makes it less taboo. So right now a patient who's taking it may not think to fill that in because it's, first of all, it's not on your sheet. And second of all, if it's not on your sheet, is this something that 
you know, do I really need to disclose this? Uh, we ask very often on our health histories, how often do you have alcohol? How long have you smoked? And, and heads up, if that's not on your health history form, it really should be, uh, because again, that goes to the overall health of the patient. In the past, we've been nervous about asking lifestyle questions, but we really, again, we're, we're providers of care. We need to know all of this so that we have a, a holistic, and I don't mean that in a, you know, crystals type way, a holistic view of your patient's health, you know, the history of it and what's been going on. Now, and you just mentioned your state. What is going on with your state? You all are now allowing psychedelic mushrooms. Like, what, what's going yeah. on up there? Like, what are, are yeah. they all hey. on pot, your legislators? Like, what's the thing behind it? You know, it's funny because I think all the people who are listening to us in Austin and Portland right now, as we were talking about them a few minutes ago about keeping weird, they were like, you're in Denver and you're talking real, about us. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, we, we just passed the, that hallucinogenic mushrooms are not a not a problem anymore. Uh, so so that's something that now, if you come to Denver, you're not only going to be able to have the the whole uh, pot and you know what you want to do with that, uh, but also what do you, you want to do mushrooms? Uh, so this is going to become now a whole uh, industry, uh, which I'm really fascinated to see see this all evolve. But yeah, our uh, our city. And I believe it's just the city of Denver. I believe uh, it was not a state vote, if I remember right, but it was an actual city of Denver vote that is, that is I, now I legal just, there. I don't understand why. I don't know. But, it, you know, if our classes are full of people on mushrooms, this could be either very fun or not fun at all. You know, if you just start talking real slow and just see the people's reactions, you'll know. And that's fine. You know, it's all good. So, if they're not on mushrooms, damn it. I'm going to make them feel like they're on mushrooms. <laughs> right, exactly. No, I, you know, it, but I, I think you're right. I think that we've got to start asking these things because they are part of our patient's lifestyle. And, you know, I know whenever I give blood, uh, you know, it's always asking me some, some interesting questions, you know, uh, the whole, Sexual history of you, you know, have you ever had sex with a man? You know, have you ever uh, spent time in a jail? You know, I mean, there's some really interesting questions if I'm going to give blood. And as a donor, I don't think twice about answering mm-hmm. those honestly. By the way, no, just want to make sure everybody's clear on that. Wow. But, uh, you know, I, I'm saying, but I don't have any issues answering those because I know that that's important not only for the blood donation, but also so that they can know about me and, and if any extra precautions or anything. The, the whole thing with the health history is that we have to take the time to look it over. And honestly, it, many times it's the assistant and the hygienist who are really doing that and, and calling attention to things. I know a lot of doctors that look at what the assistant highlights on the health history form. They don't look at everything. They just, you know, they, they've trained the assistant to highlight the important parts of the health history form. And, and so again, you all need to get on the same page if that's, uh, if that's how you run things. A recent class of mine, we talked about the effects of CBD on the patients. And, and, and again, let's, let's be clear on the CBD is, is not the hallucinogenic type part of um, marijuana. And so, you know, a lot of people take it for aches and pains and it is legal, uh, to take, I believe, right, Kevin, that CBD 
all in itself is legal, right? Yeah, we've actually now started uh, in my old home state of Oklahoma, you know, the buckle of the Bible Belt. You can buy CBD, uh, you know, and. Yeah, it's becoming a, a very uh, accepted thing. Well, and so a lot, and one of the doctors was saying, look, this is, I, he said, I never thought of this. We have a lot of elderly patients with aches and pains, and a couple of them have said, hey, I'm taking this. Does this affect my my mouth? And, and he's like, man, I need to start asking about this. And then, yeah. and, and one, and an oral surgeon had spoken up and said, you know, there's probably not any effects on anesthesia or, or, you know, anything we need to worry about. But he said something very profound and he said, I don't want to be that test case. And I said, you know what, that's, that's it. I don't, and that's really the goal. So dentists listening, new dentists, the goal really is to never be a test case. That's really the goal in dentistry. Uh, agreed. And, you know, and again, I don't think that this is something that people should be ashamed about. You know, my mom has used CBD oil. Uh, I can tell you that uh, for some I, of the experience I she's use gone it. through. I use it. Yeah, yeah because I, I have I, one knuckle that has arthritis in it and it is painful all the time. I mean, it hurts all the time. And and I have this uh, the salve that I rub into it and it's you know, got tons of CBD oil. My best friend Raina turned me onto that. She's a assistant who became a massage therapist and, and she uses CBD oil massage all the time. And, and, you know, when I use it regularly, it's, it helps. I'm sure it helps your mom. It does. And, and, and I'm also the belief and, you know, people may disagree with me on this, but I, I believe that we have come to a point in our society where marijuana is just as accepted as alcohol. And you mentioned that on the, the alcohol on the, the intake form. Mm-hmm. And I, I it is something that's worth asking your patients about. I think it's something that's worth, you know, if you're really going to have that patient healthcare professional relationship, then things like breast implants, things like marijuana usage, things like CBD, I, you know, I think these are things that you've got to know exactly what your patient is dealing with. And if it's just a lazy response to no changes mm-hmm. in the last six months, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I think you've got to dive a little deeper, honestly, and say, really? No changes? Nothing's happened in the last six months we need to know about? Well, I mean, how many people change up their vitamins and stuff? And, and you know, for newer team members, there are herbs and supplements that can greatly affect healing. Uh, when, when I used to teach my, my implant course, it was the five G's that you needed to worry about. And I, I know I'm not going to be able to remember them all, but what I mean is if there was garlic, ginger, ginkgo biloba, and again, like I said, I'm not going to remember the other ones, but the, the, there were five G herbs that have been shown to impact healing, not in a huge way, but you know, that it's that percentage that gets us when it comes to malpractice. And so yeah. if your patient is taking any of those, you need to know about that. If it doesn't show, if you get subpoenaed and it doesn't show up on your records at all, that's kind of negligence on your part because you didn't do a full accounting of their history. And perhaps they told you, and this is something that I know for sure has happened in offices where somebody's like, oh, I take some supplements and and they're like, oh, well, no, that we're talking about medications. Well, no, your supplements are something that you need to look at, too. Yep. So, yeah, so my, I guess our takeaway from today is really take a look at your health history form and see if it needs to be updated because we typically order the same health history form or at least create the same health history form 
over and over again, we just reorder it. We don't really take a look at it to see if we need to, if we need to update it. And then for many of us, we're doing the health history form online and you need to check and see, you know, is every box available to you? And then if not, you need to request from the developer, Hey, I need to have, you know, this psychedelic mushroom box. I mean, honestly, in Denver, I, if I were a dentist, I need to know if you've taken some mushrooms just to help you be better during your appointment for crying out loud. You know, I, I can't imagine yeah. who would do it, but you know, patients do some silly things. I, you know, it will, it'll happen. I of guarantee course, you. Of course, of course. So, so today's topic has really been all about implants. It's, I didn't even think of that. Both, both implants there. You just went around the circle. I like that. Well, let me just say one thing that I used to say in my classes, my treatment planning classes is when you have somebody that is looking up, you know, are implants right for me? You need to make sure that they put in the word dental because yeah. <laughs> there are so many implants available for the human body nowadays. <laughs> You're exactly right. <laughs> so this, and, and this, this uh, R-rated episode is, is, uh, is not our norm, but actually it's been kind of fun, right? Okay. So, so I'm, I'm sorry. I just got to ask you a quick question. I really do. So, I do not have breast implants. So no, I know you've been wondering. Well, Thanks for listening, everyone. No. <laughs> <laughs> they're real. They're spectacular. Is the late <laughs> uh, uh, no, uh, you know, you, you talk about other implants that are out there. And so, and I'm being serious when I ask this. Mm-hmm. If we're asking about breast implants, do we need to ask about implants of any kind? So, you know, cochlear implants uh, are, you know, usually... The only thing that I know of with cochlear implants is that, you know, you have to make sure that there's no risk of infection. But, you know, the cochlear implant is connected right into that area that we work in all of the time. And I know we have to, as far as CBCT, whenever you're taking an image, you know, that's that's all got to come out. You got to you got to take those out. Um, Well, the ones that you can take out. Um, But you need to. You know, I hope that you're not the one that discovers, oh, my gosh, what the heck is that? And the patient's like, wait, I didn't tell you about this. I don't know if there's anything to worry about with cochlear implants. Um, but again, this is a discussion with your malpractice attorney because yeah. they may not be clinicians, but they will tell you what you can get sued over. That's then that to me is worth what the premium you're paying. And so the other parts, the other implants are, of course, the, the hip, shoulder, any joints, you know, uh, basically any foreign body in the body yeah. is has the potential for bacteria to gather around it. And so anytime you have a foreign, you know, non, a non-natural, I hate saying foreign body in the body, but you know what I mean? There's always a potential for bacteria to gather around it because it is not like the other cells. And so we do need to know, you know, what's in there. And, and here's something to think about. Say the guides say no premedication needed at this time. So, for example, I have a friend who's had a shoulder repair and he's got, you know, titanium bones or all that stuff in his shoulder. At this time, there may not be a need to premedicate. But 20 years from now, what if the data says otherwise? So this person may be going to their dentist for an awful long time. And the dentist is like, oh, I, I had no idea that he had that because it was never, first of all, it was never asked. And second of all, um, this is brand new data. So I am just, you know, 
dentists have been asking to be considered to be a part of the body for so long that I think we need to man up and or woman up and and actually ask about the whole body because something in that whole body could affect infections. And, and the mouth is a great place for infections to take hold of. It's a great environment for infections. And we're really close to that brain stem, you know, where you don't want a brain abscess. We've seen cases of that happening with infections. So long answer, I, I think we need to be concerned about anything that's foreign in the body. Yeah. And, and sorry to drag it back in because I know, I know we were trying to wrap up there, but no, no, I, I just popped in that it really is something that you're right. If we're going to be, we, we've said so long, treat us like healthcare professionals. And this is that opportunity to really be one and to really know that connection between something, like you said, a foreign body in the body and what effect that has on oral health. And we've got to know that if we're really going to be considered healthcare professionals. And it's got to change the way patients look at us, too. I mean, from my assistant days, you know, we would always ask, are you on any blood thinner medications? Of course, we always made sure to call that out. And I would always get confused looks like, why do you need to know that? And so it really is an education of the patient, too, that, hey, we're not just, you know, stuck in your mouth. We, we do a lot of other things, too. We work with physicians. You know, we work with other healthcare providers. I, I think that's part of the grand education of patients that, quite frankly, we're responsible for, for helping out with. Well, and how long have we been hearing the oral systemic link, the drum of that band, you yeah. know, and, and this is just another example to me of that there really is that connection and we've got to be aware of it. And we've also, like you said, got to be telling our patients that we're aware of it as well. Yeah. So, hey, it's a, it's a brave new world out there, huh? So I, I think I'm going to link the uh, podcast, of course, with, with Frank Spear. And that, of course, started all of this out. And I'll find the link about breast implants. Uh, I will I will brave through the Googling of breast implants to bring you. Do you need If you need some help, just let me know. Is, is uh, Dana out of town is really the question. I, I, I don't want to talk about that right now. <laughs> uh, so I, you know what? I want to just share real quickly. I was out of town at a very cool place recently. I don't think Dana will think it's a cool place, but um, I was at Gillette Stadium. And I say that because Dana is a hardcore Seattle Seahawks fan. Oh, yeah. I was at Gillette Stadium recently. I know already, like, just, you know what? If she yeah. listens to this, just go upstairs and turn it off right before this section. Um <laughs> So Gillette Stadium is, of course, where the Patriots play. And I was there with the Patriot Dental Society. It's a meeting that was organized by Amr Alian of Synergy uh, CPAs, who I think you're speaking for this fall. Yeah, I'll be out there in October. I'm great forward group. To great. I can't say enough things about him and his organization and his clients just freaking love him. So I, I, he's doing something right. So anyways, he we got together. He brought a whole bunch of speakers together and I was blessed to be one of them up there. And so the meeting was actually at Gillette Stadium and our meeting area was from the stage. I could look out onto the football field. That's cool. It was very cool. And what was really super, super cool is that they took all of our logos and our logos were rotating on the big I mean, the big screen. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I got some pictures of that, but it was just um, a really good time. And if you check out my Instagram, I have, I need to put that on Facebook. I forget about Facebook. Um, on my Instagram, I have 
uh, five of the Super Bowl rings. I'm wearing them and they're huge, Kevin. They like, I felt like Thanos with my glove <laughs> on. Like, <laughs> that was awesome. They were no, huge. I, I was having some great envy. I'll tell you, you, you went to Gillette, Tia Hunter went to Lambeau Field in Green Bay. Uh, and I'm, I'm sitting here, you know, uh, stewing at both of you. I'm just super jealous. Hey, but you get to go buy some psychedelic mushrooms. So winning. <laughs> winning. And I'm going to Google breast implants winning. So, you know, it is, it is pretty wild, though, like how um, I actually thought the stadium would be bigger, to be honest with you. Um, I, I, I thought it would be a bigger stadium. Like, I, it seems to me like Coors Field. Isn't that where the Rockies play? Is it Coors yeah. Field? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Coors Field felt bigger than Gillette Stadium did, which yeah. I was really surprised. It's actually a pretty small, intimate stadium, which I think maybe that amplifies the rabidness of <laughs> Patriots fans. <laughs> and, and, you know, and it's kind of out by itself, too. It's not in Boston. You know, it's it's a little ways out, too. Oh, so that makes Trust me. Dinner. 60, 60 some dollars later going to the airport. I figured out how freaking long it was out there, but um, I had the best Lyft driver on the way to the airport from the stadium though. Uh, You know, I love my MMA and it just kind of came up in conversations and he's like a big MMA fan. So finally I get a Lyft driver that I don't mind talking to for the whole ride. Like we talked for, I mean, honestly, like 45 minutes on, on MMA stuff. I was in heaven. Well, because not a lot of people are big fans of it. So no, I, I think that's, that's cool that, uh, you know, if you've got to pay that much and go that far, at least enjoy the ride. Right. Well, and he drove a Mercedes. So I was like feeling like a little bit, like you know, very cool back there. So <laughs> then the bill came and I was like, that wasn't that, that was not cool. <laughs> so, so real side note here, but I, I was just reading an article on, and I'm going to butcher his name, but the, the star of This Is Us, uh, Milo Ventimiglia, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, I know who uh, you're talking about. Jack. Yes. And he still takes Ubers everywhere. He's a very down-to-earth guy. And one of the things that he was talking about in this interview is that he will sit up front with the Uber guy because he thinks it's just, you know, he wants to have a conversation every time. And I was like, mm-hmm. how be to pick up Jack and have him just plop down the seat with you and just, you know, chat it up. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I would, actually, I think that'd be a fun conversation. And, and honestly, if I were the driver and saw somebody famous, I mean, really, you have like his face yeah. and then Milo pop up and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's wild. But, you know, I, I, that's weird. Do you sit up front? I've never sat up front. That was what blew me away. I'm like, I have never thought just to go, hey, and pop up the front seat with the guy or gal. Never I've thought sat up front a couple times, but not, I don't I do that on a regular basis. Well, there were like four of us in the car. So, you know, one somebody has top up front. So I've well, done no, that. There's, there's, have you ever used Silver Car? It's um, the rental car for Audis. No. I, well, no. So in some markets, that's actually cheaper than renting a car. Huh. So in the Fort Lauderdale, Miami market, it's like $5 difference to get a Silver Car than it is to rent a car. So for me, whenever I go down to that area, I always rent from Fort Lauderdale Silver Car. For, and they come to the airport and the people there are just so fun and so cool. And they come to the airport and pick you up in the Audi that you're going to be driving. And so, yeah, and it's actually, it's very, very nice. It it sounds like it's a luxury, but it's really not. It's, it's pretty much on par with what you're going to pay. 
And you, I sit up front and I talk to them. And that's really, to me, I think that's the only time other than, of course, the four people in a car. That's really the only time I've sat up front. And it's because I, I kind of feel those guys are just so nice. So yeah. and it's so there's my 10 minutes really that I have to endure. But I'm trying to think and I don't you know, I don't know this dude or this chick enough that I want to sit up front right. and you know, talk to them. Yeah. You know, and, and just imagine you you didn't talk MMA with your driver there in the Boston area. Sitting out front, just going, "Hey, nice weather." Yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> good talk. You know, so yeah, uh, that's wild. Maybe you know, maybe I should do like a a month of sitting up front and seeing how that goes. I will run an experiment and report back, and uh, of course, I'm going to end up with like the smelliest of people and all that. I, no, I shouldn't say that. My Lyft drivers have actually been really good, but I will notice. I will tell you something. I've noticed that most of the drivers will get out and put your suitcase in the back, right? Um, The ones who do not are always the females. And I think it's like, they're like, eh, put your own damn suitcase up. So now that makes me curious. Do you have men get out to put your suitcase in the back? I I do. And I always tell them, hey, it's all good. I mean, uh, they they will at least act like they're getting out. And I'm just like, I got it. You know I mean? I, you know, I want them to do that for my mom or my dad, but you know, I'm perfectly capable of that. But so that's like a, a, a man grunting at each other type thing. That, like Then I just, you know, show them the guns and it's all good. So they go like, so, oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's, but it is interesting because the only people who have really not ever offered to help me with my bags are the chicks. And I'm like, dude, like what? <laughs> Like that's so wrong. Like that's that's sexist. Y'all don't even see how sexist that is. Or lazy. Come on. I think they're lazy. Let's just be honest. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. Right. No. No tip for you. Absolutely. Um, Here's so let's wrap up because I was wondering if you've seen anything good recently, anything that you're watching, or anything that's blown you away lately. Um, you know, I, I just went and saw Avengers for the second time last night. Uh, such a good movie, such a great way to end up. You know, they were talking about how this has been a decade building and you look back and how you've, you've kind of gotten to know these characters. And I know those who watch Game of Thrones feel the exact same way, but to, to kind of now say goodbye to some of these characters. Uh, it's very, uh, yeah, it's, it's an emotional experience a little bit. So, so I went last night again and, and it was just as good, if not better the second time, honestly. Was there just, were there as many people? Cause I know this, the, the audience. Uh, no, you know, I went to like the 10 o'clock show again, being the bachelor that I've been for the last five days, you know, I can do that. So oh, nice. I, yeah. So I went to the late show, but it was probably half full, uh, you know, and there were still some uh, cheers and uh, tears uh, in certain parts. So uh, it, the, the audience was still very into it, uh, even this late after it's been uh, released. Now, uh, you mentioned Game of Thrones and, and do you watch it at all? I've never seen one episode. Okay, so actually, it's funny. My son is going to start uh, the whole thing because his friends have all been watching, and he feels like yeah. he's missed out on some cultural phenomena. So he's actually going to start watching it. But I, I have watched it, and I'm not. I'm not hardcore. I mean, some people are seriously hardcore about it. Uh, but I'm. I'm interested enough to watch it just to see where it goes. And last night's episode was. Uh, it's where uh, the dra- you know, Danny on the dragons and King's Landing, and I don't want to give away too much, but uh, it's 
I feel, I feel like they, they realize they're on their last season and they had a meeting and was like, Oh, I, we need to wrap this up as soon as we can. What can we do? And so the character building that you just referenced in the Marvel universe, I feel like they did a great job in game of Thrones, but they, I don't think they knew how to wrap it up. And so I think we have two more episodes left and I, you know, I'm not quite sure it's going to go. I think the way the true hardcore fans are going. And from what I understand, these episodes have not, they're not in the book at all. This is the writers of the show writing it. Yeah. I think the, the book ended, I think last season or something. And, you know, and he's another, he's, he's a bizarro dude. He keeps saying yeah. he's going to finish this series and he hasn't. And pretty much his fans, if you go to any of the forums, his fans have given up on the fact that he's, he's never going to do it. Like they actually are annoyed with him because he keeps saying he's going to do it. And he never finishes the book. You know, my thought is he's waiting to see what HBO writes and then he's just going to finish the book <laughs> with those wow. timelines. Um, so really, so this is, re- this is all kind of freestyling on the part of the, writers and the true hardcore fans they don't even know what's coming because there's no book to kind of tee it off so yeah it's curious i i didn't even realize that my my husband is a, a you know he read the books and has watched the show religiously so he's you know he's like well, i don't know what's going on i'm asking him you know is she gonna die is he gonna? he's like i don't know you know <laughs> um, but I wanted to tell you that I have found this ridiculously stupid, funny show um, that I'm totally hooked on now. It's called What We Do in the Shadows. And oh, I've seen that uh, advertised, like FF, FXX or something. Yes, it's vampires uh, in Staten Island. And, <laughs> and it, it should not make me laugh as much as it does, but it really does. And I just, you know, if you... Can, if you can wrap your head around a, a concept that makes zero sense, this is the show for you because some of the laughs are just, I, I can't stop laughing sometimes. And I'm a sucker for really wild Transylvanian accents. Like they just make me laugh. So <laughs> I have to remember that. But I'm in my furry costume. I'll have to. <laughs> so, so brush your tail, put on what we do in the shadows and, uh, you know, enjoy. And, and so I am just excited to see the Avengers. I mean, everybody has really been talking it up and saying, you know, it's, it's the best. And, uh, you know, I don't think my expectations are too high because I, I just thought the movie, I, I think the movies have been great along the way. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. And you seeing it twice is very, uh, that's very encouraging. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, Whenever we went and I, I drugged Diana the first time. And of course she's, she's just giving in my fanboy stuff with this and kind of rolling with it. Uh, yeah, but she, she said on the way to the theater, she's like, I hope you're not building this up so much in your head that it's a disappointment. And honestly, I built it up so big going in. And in my opinion, at least it hit the mark. So, you know, yeah. So, and there are very few movies that, that I think I've done that with. So, Hey, I, I hope you. I hope I'll be anxious to talk to you about it after you've watched it. Yeah, no, I, I will uh, look forward to watching it. Uh, you know, usually my my genre is horror, so I'm excited for Pet Cemetery and Us. I have those on my list of things to watch. That's really what I'm excited about. So I will probably sandwich those with the Endgame movie. Nice. You know, yeah. So, you know, get a little scary and freaked out and then I'll cry because I hear it's very emotional in Endgame. And then and then I'll go back to, you know, killing and zombies and all that kind of crap. <laughs> That's a good balance. I dig it. 
Which for any new viewers of the podcast, you should know those. That really is my first true love. Dentistry is is just something that I do. <laughs> I used to build, so I... <laughs> and for you, Kevin, what is that other thing that, that is just dentistry is just the thing I do? What is that for you? Ah, uh, you know, probably baseball, honestly. Uh, you know, I, I would spend every day that I could watching the Rockies and writing about them and interviewing them and doing stories, uh, you know, and, and it's funny. I just did a, a podcast the other day that's gotten some interesting comments on it, uh, about, uh, whenever your side hustle becomes your true passion and, oh, yeah. and making sure that assistants, if they've got a second job that that doesn't overtake their primary job in terms of what they love to do. Uh, and it's got some really interesting uh, comments on that. And I, I find myself sometimes kind of walking that fine line because I've been asked many times, Oh, would you write about baseball again full time if you could? And I'm like, sure. But that's not going to happen, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it's interesting. Yeah. There's, there's realistic and, right. and loves and, and obviously you're doing it. So it is real to you, but you know, we have to pay bills. We have to, you, you have the lovely Julia in college. Uh, exactly. You know, I, I, I like where I live and I like that my daughter's still going to school and let's keep those two things going. You know, that's important. So, <laughs> so we'll have to talk about that next time, but I, I have college news uh, on the, the Noah front and we'll, we'll talk about that next time. Cause I know we're, we're coming up on an hour and I always want to be respectful of people's times and not dominate uh, their whole morning with just you and I talking about whatever it is that we talk about. So, (laughs) (laughs) all right. So anything else, any last uh, parting shots before I wrap this up? It has been a wide ranging day. Like it always is with you, but I enjoyed it. Absolutely. Well, I am glad we got to talk all things implants. So that's to start your morning off in the right direction. So I look forward to your, your cleaned up G rated Google results from your Google search. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, of course. So, all right. So until the next episode, I hope that you all are sharing the podcast. If you do enjoy it, Uh, we would appreciate any likes, reviews, anything like that. Any feedback too. We've been getting some good viewer mailbag that we'll probably dip into at the next episode. Kevin and I, we were just talking about this. uh, I think a couple of phone calls ago, we, we so appreciate the fact that you all listen and then take the time to share. Uh, what you think about it and uh, yeah we both had feedback and and it's been awesome so thank you so much Uh, until the next time uh, again thank you from nobody told me that subscribe to this podcast so you'll get our next candid discussion visit Teresa's website odysseymgmt.com that's odysseymgmt.com for more information on Teresa's courses books and speaking schedule Subscribe to her newsletter while you're there. Don't say we didn't tell you that.